welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. For those of you who are joining us uh, again, Thank you. If you are joining us for the first time, we appreciate your time today. I'm going to get right after it. We have You're the Problem segment number 17. Yep, we have kept this thing going for a while. It seems to be gaining some good traction out there. Uh, I've noticed that I have followers of this particular segment. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to probably keep it going because it's really helpful. Remember, this segment is about empathy training, right? The idea is to practice empathy. So I pick difficult things that are coming up in the culture, and then we empathize. Sometimes that's me pointing to where people in the videos that I'm I'm talking about are, are the problem. Oftentimes, it's me helping others see that there's multiple angles to every issue. Okay. Today, that's the one we're going for. I am going to point to some problems that I see within this video and some successes that I see within the video. Uh, but today we're going to get after uh, just, just a guy who some of you probably know, whose name is Andrew Tate and you know Tucker Carlson, who uh, recently got together for a very lengthy interview. And in complete transparency, I haven't actually finished the video. I am about oh an hour and a half or they're a little more than an hour and a half through, but I've got so much content uh, in terms of you're the problem that there's just no way I'm going to hit it all. So I have already had to narrow it down in order to create something that is going to be uh, palpable in my particular podcast. So without further ado, which means, hey, there's a chance that maybe, yeah, that maybe I'll come back and do the latter parts or pick up some of the things that I wanted to do that weren't in this particular one. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. So if you, if you got comments or questions, please let me know. If you want me to go back and address something in particular from it, let me know. And, uh, maybe, maybe just maybe we'll do that. So without any more waiting, let's get to the shared screen so that y'all can see what I'm looking at. And boom, share. I got to go way back. Uh, we are going back. For those of you who have seen this, we're going to go back near. Uh, you're still, uh, you're still uh, Whoa, sorry about that. Apparently, I had the sound on already. Uh, but the very, very beginning of this, uh, we we had, I'm going to two minutes and 20 seconds or thereabouts. Uh, two minutes and 20 seconds to two minutes and 43 seconds is going to be my first clip. All right. So take a listen. and. We will pause and discuss. Accused of pimping. Yeah, no, that's nothing to do with any of this case. Absolutely nothing. And it's kind of scary because the crime in itself of human trafficking is a unique one because they can ignore the statement of the victim. So the girls have come forward and said, this is insane. You've just picked us because we're near Andrew and we're his friends. But the whole idea of the crime is they can say that she's under... She's brainwashed, right? She's under duress. So you can ignore her statement. State says she's a victim, regardless of the fact that she says she's not a victim. Okay. 
Let's take a listen to what we just heard. What we heard is Andrew Tate is being accused of trafficking. Now, laws are different in different places. But this particular offense comes with a certain connotation. Like when we think about, especially here in the United States, well, probably all over the world, when we think about trafficking, what we are not thinking about is a good dude. We're just not thinking about, oh, this is a good dude. We wouldn't do that. What we would think about is this is a problem. This is a problem. And he is put in this position. So let's empathize with him for a second. Let's say for a moment, regardless of what you believe, let's say he did not traffic anybody. What's the stigma that's going to be on the rest of his life? As an innocent man, we're assuming for a second, he's an innocent man. That's a rather hefty stigma. It's it's like a man being accused of taking advantage of women. Uh, It's not the same as, but it could be assimilated with rape it could be uh you know anything that makes you go creepy and that is the stigma that he would have for the rest of his life even if it's determined that he's innocent that's a big hefty accusation why did i stop here because i wanted you to think about that That's a problem. That's a really big problem. Now, if he's guilty, there's no problem with it. The problem only exists if he's innocent. Okay. Let's take a look at the the girls, the TikTok girls. If... Let's say there was, this was all played out and they were doing this because they wanted attention from Andrew Tate, which is possible that they were, they were willingly coerced. Let's say that's an interesting issue because well, first of all, they got, you know, they got to prove the financial stuff. And, and th- to be real, when somebody is potentially idolized in the media or in, uh, you know, in, in different things, when, when there's an idolizing process going on, people will do things that they probably shouldn't do. Matter of fact, let's put this in perspective. Grown women probably do things for Andrew Tate that they probably shouldn't, they shouldn't participate in, right? Maybe they send him nudes or maybe they don't. Maybe like it, it, it's conceivable that this was something they were doing to try to get his attention. And maybe something they did, did get his attention. And so they did more of it. 
That's called an echo chamber, folks. So really, where is the coercion coming from? It's an interesting idea. What if the coercion is actually more to do with TikTok than with Andrew Tate? Because they're creating the system that when attention is received, it demands more. Well, for that matter, you could look at things like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, name your favorite of the day, Snapchat, and you could say the same thing. So are these companies then being looked at as coercive companies? Are they being sued, prosecuted? It's an interesting question, folks. And if you can't see that, you're probably part of the problem. Okay, next scene. Let's see what we got here. I'm going to go back to share that screen. Hopefully, I'm a little smoother on it. Go around for those of you who are following. I apologize. I'm doing the very best that I can. I am going to go to, oh, happens to be right here. So it's very interesting because the difference between sex and rape is consent, right? Right. But they remove all of that. They're like, nope, you're a victim. No matter what you say, we're deciding you're a victim. And they've chosen them. And of course, these girls do nothing pornographic. They've never had sex with anyone. Nothing to do with that. So they've picked TikTok. So it's scary. Imagine you're a full-grown man anywhere in the world today. They can find two girls who have TikTok on their phone, which is every single female on the planet, and they can accuse you of forcing them to take the TikTok money. And even if the girls say they didn't do that, this isn't true, then you're still a, you're still a human trafficker. But, but force. Ooh, let's pause right there. All right, folks. The difference between rape and sex is consent. Except with people who can't consent. So I go back to this and I empathize with him and I say, okay, if they're doing this stuff of their own free will, but they are not of the age to consent, then I guess my question would be, where's the oversight? Who's managing that? Is TikTok saying, hey, you cannot participate on our platform unless you're of the age to consent? Well, are they not only saying that, but also managing it, making it a reality? Because if they're not, is Andrew Tate the problem or is TikTok the problem? It's an interesting question. If you can't see that, you might be part of the problem. Now, it is really fascinating that these these girls that he's talking about uh, would say he didn't do anything. He's our friend. Uh, maybe, maybe I, I do like, let's, let's be real. If I'm, if I'm being really authentic here, uh, he's, he's not an old man, uh, but he's not a young, young man, not super young. I think, what is it in thirties, 34, 35, something like that, I think. And he has influence. Why would he be giving very much of his time and energy 
to really young girls. It does beg the question, what are you doing, man? Now, if they're family, great. If they're friends, great. Meaning they're friends of you know people he knows or daughters of people he knows. Okay, I, I get that that's going to happen. And to be a nice guy, I try very hard to be a nice guy myself. And I, but I don't just go hang out with super young girls. So I don't know about that. that there's something, there's something there that probably needs a little bit of attention, but he's not wrong when he said consent matters because as a, as a clinical counselor, informed consent is like day one stuff with every client because consent matters well what if they're underage coming to see me because i do see kids sometimes i don't see kids too often in my, you know anymore and most of the kids that i see are you know teenage and older like i consider them kids 20s early 20s but they're young young people for me they're young and obviously before they're 18 consent is one of those interesting dilemmas because Parents have to sign them in. I got parent signatures. But the kids then can come on their own. And we're hanging out. We're like doing therapy stuff. They're talking to me about their life and the things going on in their world. It's informed consent. So consent is a big deal. If you haven't seen the whole consent, you know, the consent tea video, you should go watch it because consent is a big deal no matter the age. But what really is interesting here from my vantage point is how do you have informed consent on a platform like TikTok when two people who are using the platform interact? That's, there, there's, that's really difficult, maybe near impossible, maybe impossible to manage. For TikTok, for Andrew Tate, for anybody else that's on the platform. And yet, who reads the expectations and the guidelines of the community? Usually they're read once somebody screws something up. And sometimes not even then. So that's a tough one. And if you can't see the challenge in that, Let's be real. You might be part of the problem. Uh, we're going to skip ahead uh, to a later scene. Uh, we, oh my gosh, uh, time is just ticking away. Uh, for those of you who are following along, I am going to head up to the ooh, like eight minute mark. We are going eight. I'm looking for 803. I believe you. 803. Oh, it's going to be tough. All right. So let's blow this up and see what we can come up with here. I'm getting close. Sorry for the delay. Okay. We're going to back it up a little from there. All right. Forget it. We're just going to go from here. I'm looking for the 803 to 826 mark. Saying, no, you're brainwashed. It is true. And I went to jail. So how is the state, so the state is trying to coerce the women 
So how is the state not committing human trafficking by the same definition? Well, absolutely. It's very interesting. It's very interesting that you can sit someone down and tell them they're a victim when they say they're not a victim. <laughs> You're a victim of being coerced, and we're going to try to coerce you into conceding you were coerced. Exactly. It's a very interesting scenario. And uh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a very interesting. Oh, my goodness. For those of you who are watching this, I got to tell you, I'm going to get after the first thing. The first thing I want to get after, their body language. I do not like this 23-second section. I don't like it. I don't like it at all from a therapeutic lens. Because, yes, they're frustrated. I get the frustration. Okay, you know, let's empathize with their frustration. But their mocking nature of coercion, let's be real. When somebody comes along and they had been coerced and they feel allied to their perpetrator, it is not easy to pull them out of the depths of that ally relationship, that that loyalty that they feel like they have to that adult, especially when it's a kid to an adult. Unfortunately, I have encountered this in my practice, this idea that, you know, somebody was in a really bad situation and they got really attached, even though the situation was heinous, terrible, awful, no good. And it takes a lot to bring them along their journey to their own realization of what really occurred. So to mock that, not a fan. Now, if he's innocent, I I understand the frustration. That part, I'm okay with. Like from a therapeutic lens, when I empathize, I can empathize with that. But we have to be really, really careful about navigating into a space where we are now saying, if you were coerced, you cannot be encouraged to do your healing because it's a very fine line between that and what they are talking about. What they are talking about, what they're, they're, they're working, I believe, from the presumption of innocence, in which case it's an awful process. But we can't do that if there's an actual victim. If there's an actual victim, because empathize with the victim for a second. They're, they're, they're put through this, you know, this torture, but they don't realize it's torture. Maybe they're part of a, uh, a community that, that takes advantage of them. Maybe that's a physical abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, may, may, and now they're not in it. And they're learning reality all over again. That kid is going to take time, gentle, uh, uh, growing, over a period of time to be able to acknowledge the reality of their situation. It's not something we would want to mock. Not ever. Not ever. 
And I can understand how it could happen on accident from irritation, frustration, stuff like that. But no, let's not do that. Let's not do that, please. And if you can't, by the way, see that, you might be part of the problem. You're assuming innocence. Not assuming that maybe there is a victim. Now, if you know Andrew Tate personally, then great. Like, you know, he's innocent. Okay. I have seen those other situations, though. Not pretty. Not pretty at all. And not a real super classy way of handling that, in my opinion. All right. Let's go back to the video. Uh, Looks like I'm going to get through. All right. Maybe one or two more. All right. 1754 for those of you following along scenario and i i would sorry about that i gotta move way forward and perfect let's go with right here we're not particularly helpful let's put it that way they weren't very interested in me being locked up without charge they didn't seem very interested in getting me out but you're an american citizen absolutely and uh so you're an american passport holder correct Um, So I think the average American believes, perhaps falsely, that if you are accused of a crime in a foreign country, particularly a less developed country like Romania, you go to the U.S. Embassy and someone takes an interest in your case just to make sure that your treatment falls within, you know, accepted standards of justice. Yeah, they they came to see me, but when I was asking them what they can actually do about all of this, they weren't particularly helpful. I don't want to pedal conspiracy theories, and I've heard a lot of information, etc. But um, I wouldn't say they sanctioned it. I don't know if they had to sanction it, but something, they weren't particularly interested in getting me out. But at least they came to see me more than once. I mean, they kind of pretended to care. The UK embassy didn't even pretend to care. The UK embassy had, the UK embassy was, I, I really think they enjoyed it. Let's talk about this part for a second, folks. This is somebody who is expressing abandonment from a therapeutic lens. When we address abandonment, this is what it looks like. Now, yes, this is on a large scale. He was abandoned by his tribe. That's what, that's what he's saying right there. And that's a problem. Look, when when somebody is abandoned by their tribe, it does create a uh, what the heck do I do moment. It does create that. And that is a problem. That's a challenge that he had to endure. If you can't empathize with that, uh, just imagine for a moment you as a, a, an American citizen, let's say, I, I, most of my audience is here in the U.S. As an American citizen, you are traveling abroad and something happens and the embassy finds out that you are being held because they thought you were trying to, I don't know, steal something or, you know, uh, whatever, fill in the blank, anything. And so they detain you and the embassy shows up or maybe worse, doesn't show up, but you know, they know because it's Andrew Tate. How did they not know? Of course they knew they watched it all happen on a screen. So 
that kind of abandonment, if you were there, oh my gosh, uh, just imagine for a second, if you can't, if you can't see that, you are part of the problem. So let's take a look at the state thing that he's talking about. Okay, so, you know, he's he's British-American, and the British embassy did nothing, as far as he could tell. Why would they want to distance him from them? Let's empathize with that. Well, if they're presuming guilt, that would make a lot of sense. If your people assume you are guilty before they have the facts, well, let's just be real. That's totally anti-American. But it's also poor friending. When, 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 when your friend does something stupid, do you assume they meant to harm you? I mean, if you got friends that assume that, you you probably have some issues. If you can't see all of that, you are part of the problem. I'm going to go through. I'm going to show you one more. This one's, this one's total tangent. But hang in there with me. We're going to go up to 58. Uh, hold on a second. They, they didn't. They, and you're a, a... 58. This is really interesting. I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up of what's going on here. He goes down this path that I find really interesting. If you haven't seen The Matrix, the movie, that was the prelude. Okay, so that was the seconds leading up to this was him really talking about The Matrix. Okay, so his uh, on on their mind right there is uh they are they are coming out of this there are people who are in control and they have more controls than you think so that's the lead up i'm gonna i'm gonna get to the other part when we're done i want you to hear this out though games all day they smoke weed on stream they talk garbage it's a bunch of drama back and forth like girls i'm the only influencer or streamer who's genuinely talking about making money because you need to have money to escape the matrix. It's very hard to resist enslavement when you have to pay the bills. Getting physically strong because a strong body is a strong mind. Standing up for yourself, self-motivation, all these things. I'm talking about genuinely positive things. Very few people are. And I think that is an extremely important message that needs to be told. And I'm not going to stop doing it because I know I'm genuinely helping the world and they're going to try and punish me for it for the rest of my life. I think, I think. What is he saying right there? What he is telling you is he believes himself to be a moral man. Now, this is a challenge because when we claim morality, if we don't also claim our flaws at the same time, we become not believable. Because let's be real. If you listening to me right now are a moral person, And you can think about the last time that you were speeding down the highway or the last time you told a lie and you called it a little lie or the last time that you dressed provocatively to draw attention 
or maybe the last time you flirted when you were a married guy or girl. If you're going to claim the moral high road, your life will be scrutinized. It will, 100%. I work really hard to be a moral character. I've lied before. I work really hard to make sure that my truth is always spoken as I see it, not as I want to see it. But it wasn't like that 10, 15, 20 years ago. I have been progressively improving in those things. No. I remember the day I last bought a lottery ticket. And then I realized, wait a minute, you're going, what? A lottery ticket? How does that have to do with morality? I should have been giving that money to my church. Not to my government. Or the private sector that manages the government contract. Because all of those have to be approved through the state. See, we could get really, really scrupulous when it comes to morality. So if you're going to claim morality, and this is something that I would straight up say to Andrew Tate, if I had an interaction with him, be careful, man, be careful. Because everything in your life will be picked apart. For instance, we could pick apart the laughing about the state coercing because I was potentially or being uh, presumed to be coercive. So then they came on my heels and coerced. And then we, we come in here and we laugh about. It. He talked about money, physical uh, you know, strength. It, look, some of the things he talks about are fantastic. Eat, sleep, exercise. You've heard me say it. But the idea of us and them is problematic. When we create the message of us and them, okay, let's let's go all moral on you. All right, a lot of people on this planet would uh, would, would know the name Jesus, and if I'm going to go all moral on you, let's just go right there. You know, a, a, some. A, a, would suggest that he was just a really good man. Some would suggest that he was uh, a prophet. Some would suggest that he was the son of God himself and part of the triune God, the father, the son, and the spirit. But let's take a look at the message that he gave our world. In the beginning, there were the Jews, and everybody else. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, all could be welcomed if you believe. Gentiles too? When In this particular section, he addresses the, the morality which means we have to look at all morality, not just what we want. And we have to say, is it really an us and them? 
So with that, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do one more because I, I've got to do this. This is this is too good to to not do. And so for those of you who are, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> looking at the clock, which I don't know if you do that or not. Some of you probably do. Some of you probably don't. Uh, this is going to be a little longer. But you can see how when when he was talking about uh, this issue, it's going to lead to a topic that is extremely intense on all fronts in all nations in lots and lots of ways. So we are going to jump to it and we are going to take a look at this section. Very interesting to me because when we talk about morality, we talk about us or them, and then we turn around and we want complete inclusiveness. It does raise a friction point. And that friction point, which we are dealing with in every nation, is the idea of the haves and have-nots, or as they're going to talk, slavery. I think by also pushing this racism argument, it's also very much the same thing. I think if you adopt that mindset, if you wake up and you're a particular color, you're purple, and you believe purple people can't make it, what's your chance of making it? Zero. Yeah. Right? So that's what's so destructive about it. This is what I'll even argue when I argue this point with people and they try and say, oh, but this happens. And they pull out these statistics and all this garbage from the matrix. I say, listen, even if, even if the world's racist against purple people, the best thing you can do is be such an exceptional purple person that they need you and the, they need you. The, the only answer is hard work. The only answer is self accountability, masculine essence, honor, dignity, making your ancestors proud of you because you hold the same last name as them. The answer is the same regardless anyway. But when people like Kamala or Kamala are pushing this racism. Very interesting. So he's talking about the haves and the have-nots. And he suggests before that actually that scene actually happened, uh, he was he was talking about slavery. He was talking about the the uh, every nation has faced has had slaves. If you're Chinese, there's been slavery in your country. If you're Indian, there's been slavery in your country. If you're if you're Japanese, there's been slavery. If you're Russian, there's been slavery. If you're American, there's been slavery. Every nation has had slavery. And then he goes to that. He goes to, if you were born a purple person, be the most exceptional purple person you can be. Not wrong. And if you can't see that, you're part of the problem. We all have our things. There are black people who had challenges. There are white people who had challenges. There are brown people who had challenges. There are tall people who've had challenges and short people who've had challenges. There are people who can fit under the doorway without ducking, and there are people who can't. If you're going to be tall, be the best tall person. If you're going to be small, be the best small person. He's not wrong. Like, what is it? What's, what's your other option? Oh, wait. Your other option is to cave in and be the victim.
take on the mentality of I'm screwed because I'm, I'm black or white or brown or tall or short or fat or thin or whatever. I'm the victim. Poor me. If you can't see that massive problem that's going on all around us, then 100% you are part of the problem. Because that is an unacceptable way of living life. Poor me, poor me. We just cannot, we cannot accept that as the best option. Do not accept that as the best option. If you have a lot that is given to you on a silver platter, then you better use that to do the very best you can so that others can benefit from the things you create. If you, if you have nothing handed to you at all and you have to earn every single thing, then get to earning. Because it's not going to happen on its own. And if you roll over and wait for it to happen on its own, you're part of the problem. Get your butt up. Get to work. Do be the best purple person you can be. I actually love that. I think that's fantastic messaging. There might have been a lot of things in there you didn't like. Maybe some that you did. But that's fantastic messaging. It checks all the clinical boxes. Why do you go to a counselor ever to be the best purple person you can be? And with that, hey, think about it. Be part of the problem, part of the solution. It's up to you. You're going to choose one or the other. Because if you're not part of the solution, well, then you are part of the problem. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.